Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, welcome back to Toka Backstage. This is Chris Wolf, Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation. I am pleased and honored to have Jason Ditsian from Kugelplex uh, joining me today to talk about his upcoming performance on January 12th, 8 o'clock at the Armstrong Theater. How are you doing today, Jason? Uh, so much for talking with me. Oh, thank you for taking the time. Doing great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I beautiful background. It looks lovely up there. Where are you? You're coming. You're we're talking from you're in Mendocino. Yeah, I um, actually live up here part time. Uh, I have a house up here um, and I go back and forth between here and the Bay Area and then just uh, gigs wherever wherever the gigs take me. So. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we're in uh, on Highway One here near the near the ocean right now. Beautiful. I'm, I'm envious. So tell me, how did Kugelplex get started? So Kugelplex has been around since 2001. There are no original members from that 2001 band uh, in the group anymore. It started as a, a small uh, community thing. And then uh, I joined in 2003 and uh, we have been going ever since. Um, Oh, that's my wife and baby <laughs> right behind us. Um, yeah, so he started playing, you know, uh, playing little, uh, I think my first gig I ever played when there was actually a, a bot mitzvah for a 90-year-old uh, Holocaust survivor. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, I had never played klezmer anymore. Um, I was playing in a cabaret with the accordion player, um, who is, uh, his name is Rob Reich, who's actually gone on to like be a pretty well-known a uh, musician he plays with Tin Hat and all sorts of all sorts of folks tours all over the world. Um, but at the time, he was just the the, the accordion player for uh, this this cabaret that I played with him. And he said, "Come learn a few songs, and, and we can play this thing." And uh, it was very emotionally like moving to me to have this experience. Um, this woman who had been waiting all her life to do this. Um, and uh, then another thing came up and they said, hey, just learn a few more songs. And uh, eventually, you know, before I knew it, I knew the songs and I was a Klezmer musician. And that was back in 2003. And um, slowly over time, I ended up taking over the band and folks came and went and uh, the band solidified uh, maybe about 10 years ago um, with the current folks. And we started playing festivals and touring and doing concerts like this. But uh, always our core practice of what we do and where this music is truly, uh, truly manifests like the, the meaning of it is, is weddings and, and things like that. So we do that. And then what we try to do is bring uh, that energy and what we do there to the concert stage. Awesome. So when, you, when people talk about Klezmer, <clears throat> If you, if you're not Jewish, people may not really be aware of just how fun and exciting the music is. How do you describe klezmer music to like the the novice? So, uh, what I like to say, um, we have a few different things we say. Um, 
So I like to call it old world soul music. Mm-hmm. And what that means is to me is that everywhere all over the world, since the beginning of time, people have had uh, music in their villages and that for, for everyday ritual, for, for important life cycle events, people came together and they had the soul music of their, of their village, of, of their place. And this is just, a lot of it sounds very similar in some respects. This is just the, the Eastern European Jewish flavor to that. Um, but whether or not you're Jewish or whether or not, like, whatever, when you come to this experience, I think it touches upon that universal experience of that village, um, communal village musical experience. Um, and I think usually when I explain it to people that way, they kind of understand and they might, they might not have thought, you know, it might not be an experience they've ever had themselves, but no matter where they're, they come from, they kind of know that like in their past somewhere, there was probably something like that, especially if they know anything about their ancestors. And uh, so, you know, and so kind of like now we have soul music, uh, you know, the soul music we have today is, dance music based on, you know, the background or an underpinning of, uh, of like gospel spiritual. That's what we call soul music, like in the 60s, 70s and, and today. Um, it's, it's the same thing that we do. It's, it's dance party music, but it has this underpinning of, of kind of a religious thing of, uh, of an ancient uh, roots music. Um, and the purpose of it is to... Uh, in these life cycle events or concert, whatever is to uh, raise the spiritual energy of, of the space. Um, so that's why we play it. We don't just play it because it's beautiful. We don't just play it because it makes people dance. But the idea is, is these songs have that ability. Uh, if you connect, uh, if you can connect to the audience or the, whoever's dancing to raise the spiritual energy and in a wedding, of course, or a bar mitzvah or, or whatever, that's really important. I mean, like that's the most important, important thing people this is the one time in the life they're doing this in in the village life this would have been one of the most important one of the most important things of 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 the year is that it's so important somebody's getting married or a baby lived till 13 and is becoming an adult so like people this is a big deal and they're going to come together and spend a lot of money make a lot of make a lot of food and like the the music is like the core thing it's going to bring everybody together and we're going to remember this for the rest of our lives. And so that's, that's kind of how I uh, try to uh, uh, try to explain it to folks. And, and for us, we're really, we're really lucky because so we do this wedding thing and a lot of the weddings we play are Jewish, but not all of them. Um, people hire us because they want that energy. They don't care that the music we play is Jewish. And a lot of the music we play also is not, you know, we play, we're a clever band. Um, so we're coming from a Jewish perspective, but a lot of the music we play comes from, a, from similar traditions that are not, uh, that are not necessarily Jewish. We just approach it, um, from this klezmer, uh, perspective. Well, and it, it's true that like every, uh, every ethnicity or every nationality has that celebratory music like you're talking about. Um, you know, uh, Hispanics have you know, what is it, mariachi or ranchero music? And um, so I, I think that that's a really good way to, to describe it is it's not just Jewish music, it's a music of celebration 
no matter what culture you are. Yeah, and in our like modern world, it's problematic that people are getting cut off from that um, because I think there's this, this is an essential human experience um, to come together with your, with your village, with your, with your friends and family, the people you're and dance with them and connect with them and have this, and have this uh, communal experience. Um, going to a club is not like that. Uh, I love dancing to whatever music, but you're not having that, you're having a different kind of communal experience, say in like a dance club with dance music. Um, but, but this disconnection from the people's roots and this, this communal experience that we had for thousands and thousands of years, um, you know, we, we, at least from our perspective, we see that as problematic. It's the same in the same sense that people are getting disconnected from their environment, from the land, from, uh, you know, from all these things that are inherently valuable. And th this is all part of that big picture that leads to like rampant consumerism and destroying the environment and like the really big picture. So not that we're like saving the world or anything, but these little things like trying to bring people together in the community are important. And we're like huge advocates. We want it to, you know, happen for everybody, all the different flavors of this. That's so we're like, you know, that's why we feel it's kind of important what we do in our very little way is to preserve that because there's, you know, at least from the Klezmer, you know, perspective, there's not, that much that many folks left doing it um and the and there's there's a lot of folks who play klezmer on the west coast but there's not actually you know is there another working klezmer band which is like does this as they're not obviously it's not the only thing we do but as like in the tradition of people working full-time klezmer not really um there are a few in new york um so, you know, we consider that an important thing to like be keep doing that and, and to give people this experience. A lot of people haven't had this experience and they're totally shocked. They're shocked that they come to a wedding and they hear music that's amazing. Yeah. And they're shocked at that feeling. They thought because in, in the US especially, people are expect to hear either DJ music um, or they expect to hear a crappy cover band. And like, that's fine because they have fun. And they're like, the idea... The, the 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 assumption is is I'm going to come to this wedding and we're going to have these musicians who are like hate hate the music they're playing they they have to do it because it's their paying gig for the weekend and they're playing Stevie Wonder covers um and like I love Stevie Wonder but like it, it you know they're going through the motion and people have fun and they get drunk and it's a fun party but when they hear this music they're like whoa like I just haven't they might never have had that experience I did not have that experience growing up. I know if I did, it would have been very affecting. I know I would have like been like, whoa, this, this, this thing that I just don't know about this aspect of, of my, of my tradition. I would want, I would have wanted to know more. And the first time I saw that, I was really surprised. Um, and I wanted to know more and it kind of led me down this path. Well, it, it's interesting that you were mentioning that there, there aren't a lot of klezmer groups that do it. I mean, that, that people can reach out to like, our perform like performing arts organizations. I had uh, we have found we've ha had a f luck finding a couple. Um, there was one um, mostly kosher last year we had. But when I was when I I kind of ran through the list and then I I reached out to the different presenters and 
arts administrators in California and the Western states. And I said, does anyone know any good Klezmer groups? And I think your guy's name came up by all the presenters. Oh, well, I like, I like to hear that. That's awesome. Well, well, you, you guys are very well, uh, very well respected in the community. Um, so you'd mentioned cover bands and playing Stevie Wonder. Yeah. When you aren't, aren't playing Klezmer, what do you listen to? I listen to, I very rarely listen to Klezmer. Um, partly is, is that, um, and there's, there's great recorded Klezmer. Uh, for me, the experience is the live music experience. I love uh, playing the music, uh, and I love being part of the experience of being in the room with the music. Um, so, uh, but I'm not super compelled to off unless I'm learning the music or or something to actually turn it on and listen to it. Um, I listen to a lot of different stuff. Uh, I listen to a lot of uh, Hindustani classical music. Um, I, I listen uh, a lot of Haraprasad these days. I'm just like a huge, uh, and I also I'll use that as like my uh, nap time music with my baby. So, um, so we listen to a lot of that. Um, he's like the great Bonsori player of, of our times. Um, I listen to a lot of um, Indonesian music. I'm a huge Gamelon fan and I've traveled and played that. And actually a lot of the folks in our band have Gamelon backgrounds, oddly enough. Um, Every once in a while, it sneaks into the music. Um, I listen to, you know, I listen to uh, all the good American stuff. Uh, <laughs> the band's been playing, uh, oddly enough, the band's been playing some Cat Stevens lately. We've been doing some, and so I've been listening to just like, just listen to Cat Stevens. I listen to a lot of Coltrane. Um, I'm a huge YouTube fan, just in terms of there's, I've listened to Coltrane all my life, but you like play a Coltrane record on YouTube and then they suggest five more that I've never heard of, which yeah. is crazy to me. Like, so you can just spend, I'm just spending a lot of time listening to Coltrane and following uh, different, different tendrils that leads to me. You know, there's a lot of Alice Coltrane. Suddenly, I never really think of listening to Alice Coltrane, but suddenly I might be listening to Alice Coltrane all day. They have like 400 Alice Coltrane records and concerts. <laughs> So that's a, that's a very cool, um, cool thing. So that, that sort of thing and a lot of other stuff. Awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, for uh, in the group, how many people are in the group? We've got six folks in the group. Uh, clarinet, which is me, uh, Dan Cantrell, uh, the, uh, the great uh, accordion player who's the, like for the West Coast, um, just uh, the kind of the, the guy, great composer and uh, performer, Lila Sklar is our violinist, also really renowned player. Um, Max Boulogne, one of my uh, longest collaborators who I brought into the band later, who's uh, just an incredible guitar player. Um, I, we have Michael Pinkham, uh, who's our drummer, and uh, da 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 da. da. And then we have actually we, the normal bass player is Eric Perney, but we're um, we're we're getting a sub actually for the and he is Miles um, J, who's like one of the best bass players. Like he's an LA guy, and we play with sometimes who's like one of the best, incredible bass players and like music guys. Um, we're we're so excited that he happened to be free. Um, if you don't know him, look him up. He's 
um, just like a monster awesome. um, on many levels. So yeah, so that's the that's this. I think I said six. Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the group. So I was told by um, one of our board members that you can't have a klezmer band without um, without clarinet. Is that true? It's not. It's not true. Um, you you can definitely have a violin led um, led group. And actually, something I wanted to add, maybe about before about other klezmer groups, is that like in San Francisco, we have Varetsky Pass, and they are an amazing uh, klezmer group, and they're very important. Um, they're very important in terms of uh, like also just as like in terms of teaching the music and. Uh, uh, part of the revival, bringing it back, and the and the uh, the the scholarship behind a lot of the klezmer that's played right now, mm-hmm. um, they do not have a clarinet player. Um, but what they do is is definitely concert klezmer. Like they maybe they play parties. I've never seen them play a party before. Um, uh, if you really want a party and you really want to like touch this thing that I'm talking, about, at least what we're going for with our group. Um, I think you need a clarinet. Um, there are groups that play with saxophone. Um, in, and I, to me, that's, I don't know if you know the term Shonda. No. Uh, that's a Yiddish term. It's basically like shameful. Um, not that the Jews, I mean, it's like, it's all, I mean, there's, there's no rules about this stuff. It's not like the Jews invented the clarinet. The clarinet is just a, it's just the marching band instrument from, from Europe that, that we integrated into the music for what it was around and it was cheap and they picked it up and it, and it has this amazing quality of being able to be very vocal in a way that if you know a lot of Yiddish, that Yiddish, uh, the way that Yiddish is expressed really comes across in the clarinet. So if people are going, ay, 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 the clarinet also goes, ay, ay, ay. It just does it a little more melodically. The violin also can go, wah, wah, can also go, ay, ay, ay. So one or the other does work as a lead. You know, Frank London is a fantastic klezmer leader in New York, and he plays trumpet. Um, so, uh, so you don't need a clarinet, but, um, but I definitely think if you are with your your people and you're doing this important thing and it's time to celebrate. I think you want a clarinet. Um, it's the thing that cuts above everything else and leads. Um, I think of it, you know, I think of our band. Um, sometimes I think of our band, not really as like a folk band, but more, more like Led Zeppelin, um, more like a rock band. Um, and because the voicing is sort of the same thing, especially if, if you think of it more as the quartet version, maybe like Led Zeppelin with a couple of uh, of, of extra folks, but the the clarinet is the is the is the Robert Plant voice. Like we try to rock as hard as that. Like we try yeah. to try to bring the same energy um, as a, as Led Zeppelin as like the hardest rock music, but it's softer because we don't have a stack of amps. But it doesn't make it any less energetic um, because we're putting that much energy in it. And I think you need that clarinet to fill that sonic space above. Um, above everything, above the rhythm and the bass and the harmony. So. Makes sense to me. I'm looking forward to it. So when people come, whether they're Jewish or not, or whatever ethnicity they come to the show, what do you hope they walk away with? What's that feeling that you want them to walk away with? Well, so uh, for concert, I mean, the, the first, 
the first thing for a concert just is we want to do a great concert and I want people to be blown away by not that not anything specific about like klezmer music or anything like that but just that the band is uh it's a virtuoso band that makes that has been playing together for a long time and makes really fantastic music um i think something that happens with klezmer music is not unlike the thing with the cover band i was talking about but there oftentimes people hire so there's a lot of community members who play klezmer who are not professional musicians and that's a really good thing we want as many people playing music and we want as many people playing klezmer and learning klezmer and enjoying klezmer um music but then people go to their temple or they go to a bar mitzvah and they see the music and again it's kind of underwhelming because it's folks who are lawyers and doctors and whoever and which is uh amazing and they're and maybe they're like pretty good musicians um and they're playing the songs and they're doing the thing and they're like oh classroom music great um they might not have had the experience of folks who play music full-time everybody in the band that's all they do everybody tours everybody plays dan plays with sf symphony and has played with tom waits and bono and uh lila's played with bjork and you know and like everybody's done you know tours all around with everybody um and then they come together and do this music they love and um we want people to hear that music played by these musicians who are like great musicians and they're dedicated to the music so that's the first thing is that even if you don't know what kind of music it is and even if you nobody tells you you should walk away being like oh damn that was a good that's a good band those guys are awesome musicians and everybody's an interesting musician everybody everybody approaches the music in a really interesting way um and by the way we're gonna do we're gonna do klezmer we're gonna do songs some stuff that's our own compositions and and then we're gonna pull in other stuff that we we play as well like we were just kind of throw talking about our set list recently um we've been playing this ethiopiques tune that we love and it kind of fits together with some of the klezmer tunes we do Mm-hmm. It ends up being, uh, so this kind of like 60s Ethiopian jazz stuff. Nice. I don't know why, you know, there's, we could really probably talk for a long time about like why that ends up in the set and like how it fits in, you know, or you don't have to think of it that much. Um, it just is what it is. A lot of this stuff starts because we're playing, we're playing, you know, blah, 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 and, 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 I, and we're switch, we switch songs all the time. And Dan is this, Dan, the accordion player is this genius. who knows a million songs. And like, once he gets going, if he's in a good mood and the music's flowing, uh, we can't, we can't control him. Yeah. And he will go into songs we've never played before. Nice. That's not, which is well, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's not great because, because <laughs> like we don't know them, and they turns out like the B part is quite complicated. Yeah. So right. like, oh, the A part, and then we get to the B part, and everyone's like, we don't know the chord changes in this, <laughs> and that's not like as professional as I wish it would be. But, but the upside is, is you take those risks. Sometimes you have little car crashes, and sometimes something comes out of that. We're just like, holy shit. Like, what just happened? We just played that Ethiopian jazz tune. It turns out all of us know it. We didn't know that. Like, we never, it's not something that we discussed before. And it's just something like, I've listened to it for years. Max has listened to it for years. Dan just started. 
and we go home and I actually like learn the tune a little better. And then we play it again the next time we play. And then suddenly like, it's a thing we play and we, and so like, that's something we've been doing in concerts and we love that tune. Um, so we'll be, we'll be jumping around a, a little bit. Um, and, uh, and then hopefully, I don't know, I don't actually know the performance hall that well, but you know, for part of it, we're going to rock out and, you know, I hope that people really want to get up and dance. I don't know if it's like an appropriate space and we'll just kind of work with people on that. If, if it's not, then that's fine. And if they want to, we'll egg them on and like trash the place. Only kidding. We're not going to trash this, but, um, but um, people should hopefully want to like get pulled into the energy into like that universal thing of like wanting to dance together, and be together and connect through the music. That sounds like an amazing experience. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and hopefully you're looking forward to coming out to Torrance. And we are. We're, we're out of time, so I got I to gotta cut it off. But thank you so much, Jason. We're looking forward to it. And I will mention that you, uh, just real quickly that Jason will be doing a workshop prior to the concert. Um, if you're interested, please let us know. Uh, you can reach out at info at torrencearts.org. And... Um, Jason, thanks for taking the time, and we will look forward to seeing you on January 12th. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Take care.